Hello, everyone. Welcome back to I Wish You Knew. My name is Sarah Don Moore, and of course, I am joined by my friend Adam Lane Smith. And I just want to let you know that this podcast is sponsored by Rugged Legacy Grooming Supply. We're going to talk about something very interesting today, Adam. Today's debate, and it's going to be a debate, and the audience is welcome to join us on this because I'm sure you'll have very strong views like I do. Narcissism. The rise of obsession with narcissism and everybody accusing everybody else of being a narcissist. If you sneeze wrong, if you don't validate, or if you gaslight, if you abuse, who's a narcissist and who's the real victim in these cases? We're going to talk about that today and we're going to ruffle some feathers because it's, it's going to be a rough one. Well, not as rough as your beard is without Rugged Legacy. Rugged Legacy is a full grooming supply with shampoo, pomade, everything you need to look and smell a little bit more narcissistic in the best way possible. So Adam, there has been a rise of the word narcissistic. Mm -hmm. It seems like every time I open my phone, mm -hmm. either on YouTube, Instagram, TikTok, I am seeing either you know a woman talk about how how she fell for a narcissist how he gaslit her um you know breadcrumbing and all these terms that are coming out that i'm wondering do you even know what you're talking about so i want to i want us to talk about from a clinical perspective really what is the difference between narcissistic traits versus true narcissism? Because you practice for 15 years mm -hmm. and I find that to be so interesting whenever I talk about it uh, on my platform, when there's somebody who comes in and says, well, they're narcissistic and I correct them and say, well, you know, narcissism is really a personality disorder that only affects a certain number of the population. And mm -hmm. then you get a whole horde of comments mm -hmm. coming at you saying, well, you know, it's underdiagnosed because, you know, narcissists don't truly go to psychiatrists mm. and they truly don't get diagnosed so what i want to talk about is why victims the victims of narcissism are also narcissistic and what are we not telling them why are we enabling a victim to think that they are not the ones that are truly also narcissistic I love this topic, and what we need to do is be very, very careful with our language. I'm going to tell people at home right now, you are using the wrong words. Narcissism is very, very specifically defined. Look, I have a master's degree in psychology, focus into relationships, deep dive into abnormal psychology. I worked extensively in corrections. I worked with people who committed deep crimes. I worked with leaders of cults. I worked with leaders of gangs. I worked with people who had truly, truly crossed the line in harming other people and fit a full diagnosis of a personality disorder, whether antisocial personality disorder or narcissistic personality disorder. There are key traits that the vast majority of people have no idea what they're talking about. Selfishness is not narcissism. Mm -hmm. Selfishness is something completely separate. So when people say everyone on earth has narcissistic tendencies, absolutely not. Narcissism comes from the Greek myth with Narcissus, where he would stare into a pool at his own reflection and adore himself because he was elite. He was all that mattered. He was all important. Everything about himself was incredible. And it was a false false image of himself as this god. That's what narcissistic personality disorder is about. It is about, I am elite. I deserve to be among the elite. I deserve to be above everyone else. It is, it is that innate in them. 
Yes, it's based on brokenness. Yes, it's based on some insecurities from childhood, but that is that core belief. So if your boyfriend doesn't listen to your feelings, he is not being a narcissist. <laughs> he, he could be selfish. He could be self-absorbed. He could just not care because your feelings don't make sense. But if you then turn around and try to label him and make him a monster, you, you are committing just as bad of a crime as he did because mm -hmm. you're now trying to pathologize his behavior and label him as an irredeemable human being because that's really what the narcissism label has become is irredeemable. This yeah. person is irredeemable and should be disregarded. What I understand as well, going through my training and my coaching and really peeling back the layers of why these two people truly come together, right? Why they're attracted to one another, because there seems to be a little bit of a pattern that plays out, right? You have the person that is a little bit more like you're an attachment specialist, so I can use this language to the audience if you've never heard it before, but you have somebody who's a little bit more avoidant, right? but they also suffer from a terrible lack of self-esteem. They also you know, lack a self-identity, lack grounding in who they are. So they typically tend to take, you know, they suck from others, you know, they get energy from, from taking, right? But then you also have this, you know, the more the anxious and they, they want to, to be saved. Mm -hmm. They want someone to rescue them. They are incredibly empathic, incredibly codependent. Mm -hmm. They they don't see their behavior as the problem. Right. So when the breakup happens or when, you know, there's a breach in the relationship, they get to go continue on feeling as though that they were robbed by that person, right? That like they were wronged. And then it becomes this perpetual cycle of, and where I see what's really sad to me is what I'm seeing are these kind of these content creators that are coming out that are perpetuating this narrative. And it, it typically it tends to be that the man is more narcissistic, right? The man is more avoidant. The man, mm. you know, it, you know, isn't doing this. He's giving you all of these breadcrumbs. He's not showing up. And so they're pulling in all of these women and saying, you're validated in your feelings. You are validated and how you, you know, how you're experiencing that yourself in the relationship and he should be texting you. And if he isn't, then you get rid of him. And then here buy my 15, you know, $99, products mm. to fix your problems and mm. to not fall for the narcissist again. Mm. It's, it's like very manipulative because typically empaths, you know, they also suffer from a deep sense of self, of a lack of sense of self, mm. a lack of self-esteem. Mm. So they tolerate the behavior because they don't know that they deserve better or, you know, and the, so I'd love to kind of get into that, like the pathology of why these two people potentially come together and break it down as to why they're both at fault. Let's do this. So what I have found through all my years of doing this, focusing on attachment, focusing on psychology, is that the people who put themselves into a perpetual victim mindset are allergic to accountability. And I say this because if you look on the internet and anybody who talks about attachment, right? I'm the attachment specialist with full qualifications, but there's a lot of people out there who talk about attachment. 99% of it is people who powder the butts of people who have anxious attachment. Because the moment you don't, at least half of them become so vicious and so hurtful 
in the comments as they turn on you Mm -hmm. and insist that they have done nothing wrong and that everyone else is at fault Mm -hmm. because they are allergic to accountability because accountability is death. Accountability feels too close to death for them because if they have to be held accountable for their behaviors, if you tell them you have smothered and exhausted your partner by demanding that they constantly regulate your system for you, if you tell them this, they feel like they're going to die. Yeah. So let's talk about that a little bit because we're not here. I mean, I don't want to beat them up too bad no, because no, no. I think that there is there is a way to acknowledge that typically what happens, right, is when you have a parent mm-hmm. who does not validate you, mm-hmm. right, who is always basically saying that it is your fault, mm-hmm. that you mm-hmm. are the problem, yep. that you're, you're wrong all the time, yep. right? Like you constantly start to potentially believe that there is something wrong with you. So when you become an adult, and I'd love your opinion on this, but when you become an adult and you get into a relationship, that accountability, it's not about the behavior that was wrong. It's about, I am bad. Mm -hmm. I am, I am, Mm -hmm. everything is my fault. If I take accountability for this, it feels just exactly like like death like yeah. it's my fault and you know, these people will experience incredible depression they will experience self-loathing mm-hmm. they will think that that their whole life is a, is a lie like they will go into such a spiral of self shame mm-hmm. versus really it's just it's just a slight change in behavior or yeah. i was just misbehaving a little bit yep. but what do you find with anxious people and their pathology i want to talk about them and their background with their parental and their mm-hmm. caregivers mm-hmm. and then we can talk about how part of being a good partner is taking care of yourself so that the other person doesn't have to and rugged legacy grooming supply will help you take care of yourself and look your best in your relationships so, and mm-hmm. then we can talk about how the avoidant forms their Absolutely. maladaptive uh, coping mechanisms. Absolutely. So everybody watching this, if, you, if you've watched this show for more than 10 minutes, or if you've watched any of my material, you know that I grew up with an anxious attachment style, which is one reason I'm so hard on this right now, because I didn't go around saying everybody else is the problem. Everybody I've known is a narcissist. Everyone else has issues. All of them are bad. That's what we call a problem-saturated story. My whole life, every story I, every story I tell is problem-saturated, right? And it's also surrendering full accountability, responsibility, power, control to everybody around you. Because when you have anxious attachment style, you believe that good things happen to you rather than for you. You don't make them happen. You have no power. Mm -hmm. You are completely helpless in the grip of everybody around you, like when you were a child, to have other people take care of you and not abandon you. So you spend your whole life saying, I am helpless. I am totally helpless. No one will rescue me. No one will make me feel good. And then when someone betrays you and someone treats you bad, yeah, there's horrible people out there and they, they will take advantage of you on purpose. I experienced this myself when I was growing up. But at some point you have to say i have been allowing these people to do this Mm -hmm. i have made these choices the people around me it's not every human being's fault they have their own issues right so avoidant people like and 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 you've laid it out beautifully let's talk about this avoidant people are frightened 
They're scared. Mm-hmm. We want to paint them as these horrible monsters that want to come into your home and wreck up the place and, and, and rob you of your sovereignty and take from you everything you have and then abandon you. Mm. We want to paint them this way because we can dehumanize them. Then we can excuse ourselves. And they and we, become the villain. They become the villain. We become the hero. In fact, a martyr for love. We gave love when it was taken from us. Mm-hmm. And we become this hero in our eyes. And this is what so many other, uh, unfortunately, so many other attachment creators on the internet, when they don't have a, a real a real credentials and, and basis, or they're just trying to, to make you feel good, to take things from you, they will tell you these things. Everyone else is the problem. You are good. I know you are good. And they validate you the way you wish you, you had been. And that's, that's how you get a cult. That, that's yeah. how you build a cult. Anxious people join cults for that reason. But avoidant people, they're frightened. They're yeah. not narcissists. Like mortal fear frightened mortal of being fear. Env- enveloped yes. in, in intimacy. So, robbed, uh, trapped, right? They're afraid of wandering in and you, you trap them and then smother them and then drain them of their life. That's right. what they're afraid of. And, and unfortunately, this is what a lot of anxious people don't realize they're doing right. is they do. You you shackle them and you, you, you entrap them and you demand from them and you exhaust them and they don't know how to build boundaries any more than you do. I want to... I want to touch on something that it's really important, I think, for the audience to understand that as somebody who is an anxious as well, also recovered anxious, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, what people need to understand is typically they had a parent who they had to really, truly attune to. Yes constantly and they become very very aware Mm -hmm. of patterns they're constantly looking for pattern breaches and is mom or dad gonna walk in the door what am i to expect is there is there going to be a heightened level of temper am i are they going to be nice to me today are they what is their mood going to be so so you become overly conscious conscious of you know of what what's going to happen and you become predictive and you become very very good at watching people's behavior and attuning to what's going to happen and constantly monitoring your behavior for their reaction now you again you get into adult relationships right Mm -hmm. and this is where the smothering comes in i think for the avoidant right Mm -hmm. is because you start making things up in your mind. Okay, they didn't text me at mm-hmm. this time when they usually text mm-hmm. me. Um, they didn't hug me or they didn't, tr- they treated, they were a little off at that dinner. They didn't touch me as much. Mm-hmm. I, uh, and then you start going into these self-protective mechanisms of, oh, I'm going to, I'm going to pull away before the, the shoe drops. Mm-hmm. I'm going to mm-hmm. monitor um, or I'm going to overly suffocate to get that reassurance. I'm going to come your way. I'm going to attack mm-hmm. you <laughs> with uh, the love and all the affection and all the things that I think that you want from mm-hmm. me in order to get that love. And that's where I think that we are doing a disservice to them, to not teaching them that your self-regulation, learning how to take accountability to get your needs met, you are actually, I say this all the time to people, you are perpetuating the narcissistic behavior Mm -hmm. by your own wounding as well. But again, it's that it's, it's the parent was 
the villain. You know, I had to, I'm the empath. I had to do this. I had to do that. And my training is with addicts and you will always see in a trauma bonded relationship typically. And with, with deep addicts, with people that mm -hmm. have been addicts for many, many years, and you'll, you will see addiction general, like from a generation standpoint, will continue on for decades, Absolutely. but you will never find an addict without a codependent and yeah. an extreme codependent. Mm -hmm. There will always be mm -hmm. an enabler mm -hmm. versus somebody who is also an addict. And I think that being able to take accountability, being able to understand your part in this is crucial yes. because your narcissism is self-inflicted. Mm -hmm. Your narcissism is still the same as theirs, but it is self-inflicted. What do you, you think about that? You know, what's, you know, what's absolutely funny about this and, and funny in the worst, most tragic way, but you have to laugh or you'll cry is when I work with my clients and we solve their problems and we solve their attachment issues, eventually we always come back to their parents right? It began with parents. And we talk about how one parent was so unloving. One parent was so critical. One parent was so chaotic. And the other parent was so good mm. and so loving. But they, and they would talk to me and we would suffer together through the other parent's behavior. And that was the good parent. And this is what they start with. And as they go through the course of this work together, they start realizing the other parent was coming to me and feeling like a good person because we were co-suffering together. Never once did the other parent, the anxiously attached parent, stand up to the other parent and say, hey, this is terrible. Why are you treating our child this way? Don't do this. They didn't push back on them. They didn't shelter the child. They just said, oh, we're co-victims together. Isn't it so awful? But at least I'm the good parent and I will always love you. So you should stay with me if I ever, if we ever get divorced, or your, your parent and I, we you should stay with me because I'm the one who cares for you. And over time, their, their attitudes toward their parents begin to switch, right? Okay, that guy, he was a jerk. That guy was a jerk, but he was at least an honest jerk. And I can deal with that. Now I can talk to him and tell him, hey, I hate what you're doing. Don't ever do that. I won't talk to you. And he goes, oh, okay. And they fix it, right? It's usually, usually pretty easy to fix it with the jerk parent because you just tell them what you want and what you won't tolerate. And they have to deal with it. The other parent, though, Oh, the other parent. So many people, so many of my clients have to carefully walk them through this very tactically of trying to talk to the other parent if they even want to. Getting them to take any accountability for their side of things, getting them to take any accountability for their enabling or for them poisoning the child against the other parent by alienating them so they had they had their security right my child loves me because i'm the good parent i will alienate them even further from the other parent mm -hmm. right getting them to talk that through that parent is usually the one that is impossible to reunite with because that parent it was insidious how they got in there and alienated for so many years and this is true in those relationships getting people to stop their addiction Often it's trying to get them to, to break up with the codependent person, even emotionally break up with them and say, I will not let you enable me anymore. I must stand on my own two feet. Then the other person freaks out and tries to find other ways to enable you. Mm. My, my, my point here in this episode is not that anxious people are evil. <laughs> Believe it or not, right? Sarah and I, we both recovered from being anxious, anxiously attached. The point here is that we have spent years enabling anxiously attached people. And I think infantilizing them. And I think powdering their butts. I keep coming back to that, like, like their children, coddling them from their own 
accountability mm -hmm. from their own truth of what they are doing to your partner, what you're doing to yourself. You are giving away all of your power so that you can sit there and be the real narcissist mm. in the relationship. And furthermore, what they don't understand sometimes is that they can actually be a conduit for healing within the relationship. Oh, like they, if they fix themselves, absolutely. if they attune to themselves, if they have these open and honest conversations, because let's face it, it typically these people deep down subconsciously mm -hmm. tend to attract each other to mm -hmm. one another. Mm -hmm. it's, it's like 80% of the time mm -hmm. you're going to have a spectrum, right? And like there, there's good chemistry. There's, you know, there, there's just a lot of um, attraction between these two types of people. Yes, and so what I had to do, you know, way back, you know, just going through my own growth and understanding that sometimes it's just about communication. But <laughs> yeah. again, yes. the, the anxious is terrified to communicate their yes. needs because well, what if they don't meet them or what if I'm what if they're what if they're going to dismiss my needs but then you know you you give them a choice you say you understand first of all what your needs are because there's a there's the, that for an anxious person being able to speak your need in a in a productive and healthy way without demanding it mm -hmm. or without you know mm -hmm. that that's a process of, mm -hmm. of years sometimes of saying okay what is it that i value because you're so used to attuning to everyone else yeah. that sometimes you don't even know who you are. You don't even know what a value, what is a value system? What is it? And I try and get them to understand, you know, when they have this, when they have this activation in their gut or when they feel as they're just so uncomfortable, you're probably going against a certain value system mm -hmm. and, and retuning with your, your inner self is mm -hmm. part of the healing process for, for an anxious attachment person and yeah. understanding that, okay, I'm going to say this and it might result in losing a relationship. It might result in that person, you know, going away, mm -hmm. but that's going to be okay. Yeah. Or, a lot of times what happens is you state your need, you give the other person time to think about it, mm -hmm. you watch what they do, mm -hmm. and they either come your way or they don't. Right. But you you not talking about your needs, you not sharing <laughs> your values, but then resenting the other person for not meeting them. If he wanted to, he would. That's what I call that. Mm -hmm. That's what I call that. Mm -hmm. That is anxious attachment just disguised mm -hmm. in like modern, modern lingo. lingo. Um, if he wanted to, he would. If you expressed what you want and what you need, mm -hmm. he probably would meet them. And if he doesn't, then guess what? That's all the information that you need. Yeah. That doesn't make him, that doesn't make them, her, him a bad person. That doesn't make you a bad person. That just means that you are not capable of forming a relationship with someone that cannot and will not meet your needs and vice versa. It just means that you're not compatible at that point, right? right. It, 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 it takes Correct. it away from victim, villain. It just, it, it makes it so that there's not, you're not giving your power away. Correct. You're just making it so that you're just not compatible. I don't know why that is so hard for people because it's, I think it's painful. I think the ego wants to protect itself at all costs. Absolutely. And if you don't like me and if you don't, you can't meet my needs, then you're obviously selfish. No, that just means that you are not a good fit for a long-term relationship. The most powerful person in the anxious and avoidant dynamic is the anxious person mm -hmm. because they 
have the power to heal the avoidant person. They're mm-hmm. the only person in the world with the power to heal the avoidant person. The avoidant person cannot heal themselves. The avoidant person doesn't trust anyone. The avoidant person wants two things. Number one is freedom. And number two is clarity. Those are the two things that an avoidant person needs to feel safe, secure, cared for, right? To be able to lean into a relationship. And those are the two things that they fear everybody else will take from them. Is there freedom and clarity? They think everyone is being fake and everyone is waiting to ensnare them. Unfortunately, anxious people often in relationships choose to do both of those things. They ensnare them over time through codependency, through niceness, through secret expectations that are unclear, right? This is why they are the most powerful person in the relationship because when the anxious person, when they change those behaviors, they bring such peace to an avoidant person. I've seen this time and time again. The, the people who purchased my attachment boot camp course, the attachment boot camp, number one people who purchased that, it's not avoidant people. It's anxious people. Mm-hmm. They want to learn. Mm-hmm. Usually it's to fix their own pain. Often it's to stop their avoidant person from leaving them. But what they can do is use the skills, right, to, to self-regulate, mm-hmm. to build an identity that they're proud of, to stop being afraid of being abandoned, to stop feeling powerless and helpless. They can use those skills to then offer an incredible gift of safety and warmth to their avoidant partner that nobody else on earth has ever offered them. There is so much power there. Mm-hmm. Can we do an activity really quick? For yes. At home? Do you mind if I, if I use you as my guinea pig? Yes. Here? People at home, here's what I want you to listen to, because you probably think we're, we're kicking you while you're down, right? And then we're angry at you for being anxious. We're not. Actually, we're, we're trying to encourage because you have so much power and we, we know that you have so much power and we want you to use it. So I'm going to do this with you, Sarah. I know you're, you're a wonderful guinea pig. Thank you for this. Do me a favor and close your eyes. I'm going to ask you, I'm going to run you through a, a scenario and then I'm going to ask you three questions. Then I'm going to run you through another scenario and ask you three questions. Mm-hmm. I think we might have done this before. You mm-hmm. know what I'm about to do, but, but you'll play along. I know. You're a good sport. Close your eyes for me, and I want to run, run you through this. Let's pretend, and people at home, please follow along, unless you're driving. Keep your eyes open. Pretend that you have the best partner in the world. They're perfect, right? I don't care who you're picturing, right? It could be any celebrity. Right, maybe it's Keanu Reeves. Keanu Reeves. <laughs> I love Keanu Reeves. He's, He's a good one. He's good. He's good. But whoever it is, right? Um, picture that you have a perfect partner. When they want something from you, or they expect, or they need, they're very clear and they're honest. They don't stomp their foot. They don't demand. They don't. You better do. No, they say. You know what? Could you please do this for me? It would mean so much. If you can, that'd be wonderful. If you can't, that's okay too. But but could you do this for me? This would be great. They're so clear. You know exactly what they need from you at any moment. When you do something that they don't like, they're very clear. And they tell you the first time, ooh, you know what? You didn't know this, and it's okay. Uh, I don't like this. I would actually prefer this. Next time, could you do this for me? That would mean so much. Thank you. And, and thank you for trying this time. You're not embarrassed. No one's mad. And, and they give you a clear pathway forward for what to do next time. So you always have your answer. You're never scrambling, trying to figure out what people want from you. And when you do something they do like, they're just grateful. Thank you. This this meant so much to me. This was wonderful. Let me tell you you uh, even why this is even more special than you you realized. And they're just glad. 
Sarah, open your eyes for me and answer these three questions, if you would, please. Does this person trust you? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's good, right? Yeah. They trust you because they're being honest. Thank you. A lot of people at home, if you're avoidant, you'll actually say no. Like, this person wants something from me. <laughs> There's a secret reason here. A lot of avoidant people will say no, and that's a, dis that's a disconnect where they have a hard time trusting. Number two, if you were getting this feedback, right? Hey, you know what? This was great. Thank you. This wasn't what I wanted. This would be, oh, you did it the second time. Great. Thank you so much. Constant feedback. And you're getting constant proof that they really are happy with you. Mm -hmm. Would you feel pretty confident in this relationship? Yeah, like, absolutely. Like Self-esteem would go up, right? Yeah, I would know. I would know what to do. You know, I would get better. You'd feel you incredible. I'd feel good. Yeah. This, this is this is actually how people heal inside relationships to become more secure mm -hmm. is by being with somebody like this. This this is a great way to do it. Um, you do this as a coach. You provide this for people as a coach. You are their secure person who's that mm -hmm. honest with them. That that's how they heal with you. It's the relationship. Number three. Would you feel like this relationship would go on a long time? Like you'd be secure inside this thing? Mm -hmm. Very much so. Wonderful. Great answers. I know that you would say yes. <laughs> okay. Close your eyes again, please. And let's do this. We're going to do the opposite. Okay. I want you to picture that you have the worst partner in the world. Don't say any names. <laughs> you have the worst partner in the world. When they want something from you, they don't tell you. They don't tell you. They might drop hints, but if you guess it, they're embarrassed and they say, no, 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 I was just joking. You don't have to do that. No, that'd be too much. No, don't worry about it. They're never clear on what they want from you. And when you get it wrong or you're doing something they don't like, they also don't tell you. They're nice. They're super nice. No, this is great. No, babe, that, that, was, that was fine. I, I love the spaghetti cooked that way. No, that's you did great. No, this was totally fun. No, yeah, it's, it's fine. Don't worry about it. It was just, yeah. Until they have a bad day a couple months later and all of those things add up and suddenly they unleash on you about 10 things you've been doing wrong and you haven't understood you should know by now what they want from you you should care enough to know what's important to them and they blow it out in one big day and shatter your whole conception of a happy relationship then they go back to being nice and the next day they're super smiley and nothing has happened everything's happy and every three months they have a bad day where they cycle at you or once a month you know sometimes people do that you're never sure when the next explosion's coming and when you're actually doing right and when you do something that they like they get embarrassed. You didn't have to do this for me. This is no, how am I supposed to pay you back? This was too much. How much do I owe you? Can I pay you back for this right now in cash? They get embarrassed and they can't just enjoy what you have done right. Now open your eyes, please. Oh, yeah, take, take a, a breath. breath after yeah, that. you're not there. You're not in that relationship <laughs> anymore. Now answer me three questions. Do you feel like that person trusts you? No. Absolutely not. Not even slightly. No. Good answer. Mm -hmm. Number two, if you were in this relationship, do you think you would grow more confident and secure in yourself over time or less confident and secure over time? Less confident. It would feel as though I wouldn't, I would start questioning myself of, could I really make that person happy? Is it yeah. really me or is it them? But wait a minute. If you want to wash off that feel and maybe smell of victimhood and you want to take your power to the next level, make sure you check out Rugged Legacy Grooming Supply because it will bring out your authentic masculine self. And number three, would you feel secure in this relationship like it was going to last a long time? 
Absolutely not. Way too much chaos. Great. Way too much chaos. Now, what we've done here is we have defined what a secure partner looks like and why it's so important to be secure and how you can become secure. Anyone watching this who is not a secure person yet, those behaviors we listed, go, go back, rewind, listen to those pieces of how you can be the perfect partner, mm -hmm. sharing your needs, being clear, telling what you want, telling what you don't want and guiding the other person. Sharing your needs is a gift. Yeah. But here's the horrible, painful, agonizing truth that people need to listen to is if you are anxiously attached and you're nice and you don't share your needs and you're unclear and you tolerate things you don't like and you're embarrassed by the good things, you have been that bad partner. Mm -hmm. And that is how avoidant people feel in relationships with you. The lack of clarity and the lack of freedom. That's why they feel ensnared and that's why they feel scared. Yeah. You know, and I think it's important to recognize that you're when you start to heal from this stuff, mm -hmm. it can it can still be really messy oh, yeah. in the beginning. Oh, yeah. Right? Like it, it can still be you're trying to figure it out. You you wish you would have said this, you wish you would have said that, you wish that you didn't rush into the relationship so fast. You wish you didn't, you know, enable the the behavior or fall for the same person. You you might stumble a little bit for mm -hmm. maybe a couple months, maybe a year or two. Mm -hmm. I, just being realistic that it this takes Con, con, you know, a concerted effort to wake up every day and say, what am I going to do different today that is going to get me to where I want to get to? And you could go out on a date and somebody might love bomb you and you might go, oh, I'm <laughs> I'm diving headfirst in, you know, that chemistry mm -hmm. is so strong that I am going in. And then six months later, you'll go, oh, crap, I made the same mistake again. That's OK. It is. A, it is OK. It's a trial and error. But somebody cannot love bomb someone who does not accept the love bombing True. you know if you in in setting a boundary isn't always going to be through words it's going to be through actions you know i remember i remember when i first started doing this with people i would set up almost a dating plan mm -hmm. we, we'd have a playbook mm -hmm. because so many people will heal from this and they're like okay i'm good to go i'm ready i'm ready to tackle the dating world i'm ready to go out there again i you know i understand what's happening and then it would just just crumble and and i think that's what you and i do as coaches right for me it's about let's have a plan in place because you have to set certain boundaries for yourself that you adhere to mm -hmm. so that the other person understands hey i'm i'm not I'm not going to play this game anymore. I want this type of relationship. Mm -hmm. This is what I'm looking for. And I'm going to be incredibly transparent. I'm only going to go out on one or two dates a week with you. I am not going to sleep with you for the first 60 to 90 days. I'm going to not get that dopamine attachment so quickly mm -hmm. so that I find myself, you know, entering in with the same patterns that I've always entered in with. And I think, you know, I want to empower the anxious person. Mm -hmm. I want to give them the tools mm -hmm. and say, you have the power to change this. But if you keep on making the same mistakes again and then blaming the other person yeah. for your own victim, your your own victimhood, I call it victim offender, Correct. then 
I'm sorry, but you are still the one to blame. You are still the one that is making the mistakes. Your husband cannot make changes if you do not make changes within yourself. And you're going to find that you're not going to be attracted to the same type of people and they're not going to be attracted to you. And that's okay. It's a blessing. Right. You, you, I, you know, I used to tell people, you thank them for their time. You thank them for entering your life and, and being a part of your journey. And then you wish them well, you wish them, yes. you wish them gratitude because you learn something new from them. Right. And I think that that's what, that's what keeps you centered. That that's what keeps you not getting, becoming bitter because what I see a lot, and especially I'm going to call it the women here, mm -hmm. you know, the cat ladies, sorry, you can be mad at me. What I see happen is that they become so resentful in their own victimhood. Yeah. And then nobody wants to be around that. Right. Nobody wants to be around somebody who is perpetually feeling sorry for themselves mm -hmm. because essentially you have given all of your power away. Mm -hmm. You mm -hmm. basically said, again, back to what you said in the beginning, I things happen to me. I am a victim of my life circumstance. Everything that's bad happening to me is is not my fault. Mm -hmm. Everyone else is bad. It's all, you know, I am the victim here. Mm -hmm. Please rescue me. And it's never going to happen. Nobody is going to climb up Rapunzel's hair mm -hmm. and rescue you from your castle. Mm -hmm. You have to be the one to rescue yourself. And But I would suggest having some sort of boundaries, write these things down, have a dating plan. That's what I work with my clients to do is we need to come up with the non-negotiables. We need to come up with your value system mm -hmm. so that you have a guide to work through. And then you come back, we talk about it. Mm -hmm. You know, can you negotiate with that person? Are mm -hmm. there things that, you know, because a lot of, a lot of people, again, like they'll get all of this inform, they'll get this information and then they will have these strict boundaries and they will have these red flags, green flags, and they will forget all of the yellow flags. Mm -hmm. the, they, they will, it will become just black and white, like, nope, red flag, I'm getting rid of this person. Mm -hmm. But it's like, wait, 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 hold on, calm down. Like, can we negotiate your needs? Can, and it's uncomfortable, mm -hmm. but I think there is power in this. And I just, I just want to just really empower the anxious and, oh, yeah. and not, not enable the, the avoidant either. But I think that there's enough information on the internet about being avoidant mm -hmm. and about their narcissism mm -hmm. that we need to show compassion for both sides. Mm -hmm. I agree. There's two quotes that spring to mind when somebody, when somebody relinquishes all power and accountability, there are two quotes that spring right into my mind. One is the famous swordsman Miyamoto Musashi, who said something along these lines. Reality cannot be altered. You can either bow to it or be destroyed by it. So you must face reality or it will wreck you. So people who are perpetually anxious and say, I cannot fix it. Everyone else is the problem. You are ignoring reality and will be destroyed by it. Choosing to accept reality that you are the one enabling the people who are hurting you. And in fact, you are the bad partner in many of your relationships, going back to that a moment ago. Absolutely crucial. And here's the second piece, and the second quote is the famous public speaker and comedian Mitch Hedberg said, alcoholism is the only disease you can be yelled at for having. Mm. And that's because at some point, in order to move past it and heal from it, you must accept responsibility for the choices you make. 
Will you have temptations? Will you have challenges? Is, uh, is it possible there are components that are difficult to control or perhaps beyond your control in the wrong circumstances? Yes, there could be. And an anxious attachment, it's been programmed into your nervous system. It will take a long time to fully overcome through those secure relationships. But you must take responsibility for your choices. You must identify bad circumstances where you are liable to be love bombed and then accept the love bombing. Mm -hmm. You must accept times where you will act like an alcoholic. And alcoholics don't spend time in bars. They don't say, well, just have a few beers. Alcoholics typically, if you follow the 12-step program, you accept that there's difficulty and there's going to be difficulty. You abstain as much as possible. You keep yourself around people who will support you. Have your you have partners. personal accountability you partners. You have personal accountability partners. You have meetings. Yes. You have mentors. You have relapses. And then you call yourself to account for them and refine your process. Yes. You don't have a relapse and say, oh no, alcohol fell into my mouth from the sky. I will just continue doing exactly what I was doing before. I, I have a very good friend who says every Every conflict must have a consequence. Mm -hmm. Same with your behavior. Every relapse must have a change, a, a lesson. You should learn and refine. Same thing here. So treat your anxious attachment like alcoholism and make many of the same choices. It's funny how alcoholism and, and attachment issues often do go hand mm, in hand. I've never, I've never seen alcoholism without attachment issues, but... Yeah. Fix it that way. Take accountability. That, that's that's why I'm getting so heated during this debate is not because I'm angry at anxious people. It's because I see so much opportunity for you guys to grow and to heal and to heal those around you. To not, it, it, the desire to help. Yeah. The desire to help is so deeply ingrained in these people. Yeah. It's why I help. It's why you help. Mm -hmm. And not because we're codependent, but because we have moved beyond it mm -hmm. and we can embrace our desire to help others more fully. Yeah. We can embrace that empathetic desire to care for others, yeah. to nurture others, right? That is the power of an anxious person once they have come through their anxiety and have become secure. And I will add to that... The first step in healing this and the first step to acknowledging that that there is a problem and that you need to be a part of the solution is stop following people that perpetuate mm -hmm. this narrative mm -hmm. because you will you will get on social media mm -hmm. and you will spend hours in bed you know, with your chocolates and your bonbons mm -hmm. and you'll say, oh, my gosh, see, and you will feed the dopamine channels within your brain that will give you that reward that yeah. will that will make you feel good because you will feel as though you are you were wronged it feels like you you were you were right all along yeah. like you you were wronged yeah. but i will caution you if you get on YouTube, there are many, many people, many creators that are using this narcissistic term to sell products, mm -hmm. to sell you a narrative that it was not your fault. Mm -hmm. And it may not have been your fault, but it is your responsibility at this point to take ownership. And the first thing that you need to do is stop consuming content as well as the avoidant person. Yeah. You need to get with reality, yeah. get a reality check because all of this, this will only will keep you stuck. Yes. If you consume this content that is so polarizing and that is painting men as 
all narcissists yes. and painting women as all victim or vice versa. Yes. I also see men who are nice guys oh, yeah. who think that women have wronged them. You know, I did a, a clip the other day about this whole, you know, Jada Pinkett, whatever Smith, I would pay someone to stop showing up on my feed. But, you know, I said, I said, Will, he needs to take responsibility for his own life. Exactly. And I don't know what the, I don't know what the intricacies of their relationship is. Sure. I don't think anybody knows. I don't sure. think anybody cares. Sure. But the, the, the main point is, is that if you are staying with someone, if you are with someone, if they are not, you know, being in a cohesive, cooperative relationship with you, you are the nice guy. Yeah. You are the enabler. You are the one. And the minute I said that, I had a ton of guys flood in that oh, said, yeah. ha, victim shaming. Will is the, you know, Will is the victim here. He was the one that was cheated on. He was the one that was betrayed. And I go, yep, that's it. You can spot a nice guy from a mile away yeah. versus, and that's what I'm talking about. That's what I coach my men with, right? Is you can be a, a kind man. You can be a good man, mm -hmm. but a nice guy is a man who negates responsibility for himself. Mm -hmm. And that is what is unattractive to women. Women want you to take full responsibility. Mm -hmm. They want that masculinity is very, very attractive. And that is a man who takes responsibility for his behavior and makes change based off of that behavior. Mm -hmm. Be careful, everybody. If somebody is validating you, Ask yourself if they are also empowering you or disempowering you. Mm -hmm. My concern in all of this is, is not, are we over-empowering? That's not my concern. I, I don't think that we are over-empowering anxious people at all. I think we are disempowering them. Correct. We are infantilizing them. Mm -hmm. People are saying he was wrong or she was evil, right? There's just as much on both sides. They were awful. There is nothing you could have done better. Mm -hmm. You were a victim. You need to keep watching my content forever because only I can keep you safe. I can't even maybe teach you how to stay safe. You need to constantly come to me to protect you forever. Mm -hmm. That's disempowering. Mm -hmm. Look at what Sarah, look at what you and I do, right? Mm -hmm. What do we do? Hey, look, yeah, I get where you're coming from. It hurts some validation. Here are some steps you can take to get stronger, to make better relationships, to take accountability, to do better in the future. Mm -hmm. If you need help, we're here, but we're not your cult leaders. Mm -hmm. <laughs> we are going to make you stronger so that you can live the rest of your life better on your terms. That's exactly what this whole conversation has been about today. So if it feels weird, it's because we're empowering you instead of disempowering you. Nobody is a victim to their circumstance. Yeah, right. So, so very few people are actually authentic victims to their circumstances. Very few. Are there some out there who are really under the victimhood of, of terrible people? Yeah, sure. Yes, there are, right? But the vast majority in our culture... Do you think that they are full victims or do you think that they are giving up their power? Absolutely, they're giving up their power. And I... I wasn't ready to hear it until I was ready to hear it. Yeah. And I know that there's a lot of people where, you know, we're just planting seeds mm -hmm. and you might hate us. We probably will get a lot of hate. Sure. sure. <laughs> and that again, I just kind of, I, I kind of see through that too. I just, that's just a defense mechanism to protect your ego and that's it. okay. I get it. But if, you know, you are, you're seeing this and to people who are watching, 
you have the power, you know, that's what Adam and I do. That's, that's how we coach. That's what we do. We want to help. And if you're not ready, that's okay. If you are, if you think that you've still been wronged and you want to stay in that place for a little while longer, that's okay too. But what I can tell you is that when you heal yourself, it's not perfect. I make mistakes all the time. And I'm sure you do too, Adam. Oh gosh, yes, absolutely. (laughs) Like we, we make mistakes, but taking accountability, being able to state your needs, being able to self-regulate, it it doesn't have to feel like quicksand. Mm -mm. I remember my life pre-attachment, right? I remember it feeling just everything was so dramatic. It Mm -hmm. was like, I couldn't go throughout my day without feeling like I was gonna have a nervous breakdown. Mm -hmm. There was always something, right? And it was something with my partner, something with how the relationship was going. You, you don't understand how much peace there is when you heal this mm-hmm. and that dating, all of the strategy, all of the things that you thought that you needed to do to protect yourself, to get your needs met, all of the, the, the coping mechanisms and the, and the maladaptive and all the things that you try to do and that your needs don't get met, that just disappears. Mm-hmm. You show up authentically, you talk about yourself authentically, and then you leave dates going, well, okay, let's see how that goes. If it doesn't work out, that's okay. They weren't for me and I wasn't for them. Mm-hmm. Or in the relationship, oh, I'm gonna state my need. If they don't know how to meet it, then we're gonna figure out how to negotiate. And if it becomes a pattern, then I'm gonna exit this relationship and I'm mm-hmm. gonna be okay with it. And mm-hmm. I'm and I'm not going to speak poorly about my ex. I'm not going Correct. to, you know, I'm not going to make them the villain. Like I'm telling you guys, once you heal this stuff, you won't need Adam and I anymore. You're going to be so happy. You're going to be so carefree. You're going to have so much peace in your life, right? You know what I'm talking about, Adam? You have so much peace in your life and you have hope. You have a hope for a future. You don't wake up every day feeling like you have a black cloud over your head. You can you can just feel so much more light and so much more carefree. So mm. if you want that feeling, if you want to go into dating and and look at it as fun versus look at it as dreadful. If you want to be able to have a relationship where you feel safe, where you understand what you're, what, you know, you have a great self-esteem where you can walk away feeling like you did your best and call us (laughs) and book a call with us because we will help get you there. I promise you it doesn't have to be this hard. Absolutely. Sarah, people at home, um, we are here to help. We're here to help you take back your power if you want us to. We are here to help you become secure if you want us to. And we're here to help you be the good partner in your relationships if you want us to. Sarah, if somebody wants to do those things and they want to work the fast track, right? They want professional assistance if they choose to work with you. What are some options that you provide and where can people find those things? Absolutely, Adam. You can find me at saradonmore.com. I offer one-on-one coaching. I am very solution-oriented. This is It's much different from therapy. We don't even need to dive into your childhood. I give you solutions. We work together as a team. I am your coach. And I also have a course called Mastering Modern Love where I really tackle and break this down as far as the dynamics between the anxious and the avoidant, male and female dynamics, how to have a thriving, productive relationship with the 
opposite sex. I even had panel discussions with men and women who give their opinion on how to be an amazing partner to one another. So Adam, where would they find you? You can find me on adamlanesmith.com. I'm also at Attachment Adam on YouTube and Instagram. You will find my personal one-on-one coaching based on my 15 years of professional training and professional experience. First as a licensed psychotherapist, now as the attachment specialist. If you wanna fast track your process, I will help you through results-driven coaching. I also have the attachment bootcamp, which condenses all of my training down into a beautiful video course that will show you exactly how to work through this process step-by-step. If you want to fix it, that's one of the number one places that anxious people start. Amazing. Well, thank you so much for joining us on I Wish You Knew. We hope that you found value in this conversation and we can't wait to see you on the next one.